Well, good morning, everyone. So glad you're How many glad you came this morning? Okay, and the rest? Just, well, you will be, man. Oh, man, I just, it's so fun to celebrate this, okay? I mean, we celebrate Jesus every week, but just specifically today because around the globe, people are actually making mention of or have an idea. Something's going on with this day, and it's the day King Jesus whooped the devil's butt. And, man, much you, but it's time the church have some devil booty kicking time that we enjoy whooping him. So if you're wondering what kind of church is this, I think you kind of figured it out now. We love Jesus. We're passionate about Jesus. And he's changed our lives. And we know that his love will absolutely radically change your life as well. And what kind of church? We also, we love each other, don't we, family? We're a family that we love one another as well because God told us to. But we also, we get to. (laughs) So if you got your Bibles, let's go here to 1 John chapter 5. All right, you're like, number, week number 11 on this. Yeah, we're going to go on to this. And again, just kind of seeking the Lord, ask, hey, Lord, what are we going to be doing here today? And again, we're going to just talk about a few things about this grace that God has given to us. And, you know, the will of God is victory in every area of our life. Come on, say it with me, victory. victory. What kind of church did Jesus raise up from the dead with him? A victorious church. You know, the Bible says, as he is... So are we in this world right now. So it's crucial. You know, we're not a defeated church. We're not, this isn't a crutch for us where we just try to get by and oh, I just hope all this pans out. And one day we get to heaven. No, 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 no. That's religion. Jesus came and he purchased a, with a tremendous price, you know, a victorious church. And that's who we are. We're part of the victorious triumph that he conquered over death, hell, and the grave. And he begs us to be partakers of that. So we are called to be victorious in every area of our life. That does not mean we don't have hiccups or speed bumps or things that come our way. We are people. We still deal because we live in a fallen world. But thanks be to God, through Jesus now, I experience victory over it all. We're going to get into that today because that's the will of God concerning you and wherever you may be in your current state. So if you're wondering how could, you know, this, this guy that you know, died 2,000 years ago, how does it affect me today? Tremendously. Everything he did, your entire eternity, and from a believer's standpoint, your victory depends on what he did 2,000 years ago. Now, 1 John chapter 5, it says this, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah is God's spiritual child and has been fathered by God himself. So this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to let the Word of God just paint a picture for us today and allow the Spirit of God on the inside of you to reveal some things to you. Okay? And the first thing, I mean, I love what the word says here, but again, what I believed, again, specifically, what do I believe? That Jesus is the Messiah. And the moment I believe Jesus is the Messiah, what did that make me? It made me a child of God. And God became my spiritual father. So if I don't believe that, if I don't make that confession that Jesus is the Messiah, I'm being fathered by someone else. There is a devil that's out in this world. And he also would be called the spiritual father of those who refuse to believe in Jesus. So who's your daddy? totally depends on what you believe and acknowledge who Jesus is. So when you say, Jesus, you are the Christ, the Messiah, well, you've now been fathered by God. He takes you in as part of the family. Thank God. Verse 2, he says, this is how we can be sure that we love the children of God is by having a passionate love for God and by obedience to his commands. True love for God means obeying his commands, and his commands don't weigh us down as heavy burdens. You see, verse 4, every child of God. Who is a child of God again? Those that believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the Christ. So if you believe that, look what you've been made. You've been made an overcomer in this world. And then not only that, he gave you the tool that overcomers use to overcome with, which is called our faith. Now, verse 5 again. So who are the world conquerors defeating its power? Those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So again, a few things from this is that a conqueror or an overcomer isn't a position that I'm trying to attain. It's who I've become because of who I believe in. Can you see that? So who are you? That was weak, y'all. That was like... Who are we? Who are you? I'm an overcomer. Why? Because I believe in Jesus Christ. 
Now, again, what we're taking the time to learn is how to use this tool because I've been made an overcomer. Well, I'm not seeing overcoming in my life. We have to learn how overcomers overcome, which is the tool called faith. The second thing that we see from this scripture, it's God's will and our inheritance that the children of God experience total victory over darkness. It's his will. Did you know that? Come on, y'all. Did you know that? It's God's will that you overcome in every area of your life. Okay. Again, now faith is the tool that enforces the victory. And my faith is rooted in my continuing experience of how loved I am by God. Now, first things first again, I want you to turn in your Bibles. Go to Hebrews chapter 1 here for a moment with me. But we need to understand in order to experience the victorious life, we have to understand the age or the time that we are living in. And we went over this in detail a couple of weeks ago. I'm not going to do that for time's sake. But it's crucial that we understand the time frame, 2022, what age or what dispensation are we in in God's calendar? Because where frustration in Christianity is, is operating by a wrong dispensation. Is when I start living by, you know, when, you know, God has seven dispensations in all, we're in number six. So if I start, try operating in number two, or try operating in number four, or try operate, operating in the previous one, number five, which is the law, I will be frustrated because God has never changed, but he deals with people according to the dispensation that they are in. And we relate to God according to the dispensation that we're in. So we have to be clear upon the dispensation that we are in. And again, this, what does this have to do with the crucifixion? Everything. Because Jesus ended a dispensation. And at the same time, when the Spirit of God came just a few days later, a whole new time frame now came into existence. And we can no longer operate or connect with God according to the previous dispensation. Is that all making sense? Don't ask me to repeat that because I couldn't. Okay, just rewatch that and I'll just, there it is again. Okay, so in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, it says this, Throughout our history, God has spoken to our ancestors by his prophets, notice, in many different ways. Okay? Now, the revelation he gave them was only a fragment at a time, building one truth upon another. You know, if you kind of do a little bit more in-depth study to it, just a, it's like God gave a piece of a puzzle regularly. Anybody ever do puzzles? Enjoy puzzles? Good, I, I hate them. So you, you, gotta, you, know, you got your seven-piece puzzle. Whatever, there, there it is. Okay, what do you need in order to get an idea of what it is? You need a, a clear picture, Correct. Well, you know, sometimes if I'm doing it with one of my kids, okay, here's a piece of the puzzle. Well, in every dispensation, God was giving the prophets a a picture or a piece of the puzzle. And so once in a while, they got a glimpse of the full box and they go, whoa, you can read that in 1 Peter chapter 2. They were amazed going, what is this that this is going to take place that we're living in? They were amazed by it. So they were giving a piece The next time, the next dispensation, here's another piece, here's another piece, here's another piece, here's another piece, right? That's kind of what it was like. So that's what he did in the Old Testament. And in verse 2, it says, but to us living in these last days. Now, we've been in the last days since Acts chapter (laughs) 2. How many know we are living in the last of the last days? Okay. In these last days, God now speaks to us. Openly in the language of a son. This was the final piece to the puzzle. He, the appointed heir of anything, through him God created the panorama of all things and all time. Through Jesus now, we get the full picture of what God had in his heart, God had in his mind all along. And he reveals that now in the dispensation that we are currently living in. Make sense? Okay, so now before we get into this, I want to talk about the previous dispensation here for a sec, because this is where I find in my conversations, in my working with people, this is where people get hung up on a little bit. It's living in the previous dispensation called the law. Now let's look at this. Turn turn to your Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 28. But I want to just lay it out to you. The dispensation, what it's all about, the system, it's an if-you system. I just want to make sure I'm if-you not F you, if you, <laughs> okay? It's an if you system. Okay, say it with me, if you system. Okay, this is the law. What's the system? It's an if you system. So it's completely dependent upon my performance. The system looks at you and how you behave. <laughs> 
You ready? So Deuteronomy chapter 28, we're going to read 13 verses. Are you okay? All right. It starts off with, if you, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands that I'm giving to you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings. When I point, you say, if you, okay? You will experience all these blessings. Obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and your breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you more from one direction, but they will scatter from you in seven. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord, your God, will bless you in the land he is giving you. Verse 9. Obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his way. The Lord will establish you as his holy people as he swore he would do. Then all the nations of the world will see that you are a people claimed by the Lord and they will stand in awe of you. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you, blessing you with many children, numerous livestock, and abundant crops. The Lord will say, this is a lot of blessing. The Lord will send rain at the proper time for his rich treasury in the heavens will bless you all the work that you do. You will lend to many nations, but you will never need to borrow from them. Verse 13. Listen to these commands to the Lord your God that I'm giving you today and carefully obey them. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail and you will always be on top and never at the bottom. But I want you to see all those blessings. We go, ah, yeah, yeah. But notice the key word that you had to keep reading out. If you. Now, there were 613 if you's in the law. And nobody, say it with me, nobody was qualified or able to measure up to all the if you's that you see. We, we kind of, you know, the... God gave it to Moses in Ten Commandments, but you read all through the book of Leviticus and you'll find 613 if yous. If you do this, if you, then I'm able to. So again, the focus of this dispensation is if you. So now, what is it dependent upon? It's dependent upon me. What does the law do? The law is about demand, demands, demand, demand regularly. And these demands, I was not able to attain. I was not able to do because, again, it is impossible to do them all. Now, why did God have to do this? Because at some point, people kind of thought, I'm right. I'm good. I can make these things on my own. I can do these things. I I can be right before God. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. So you know what God had to do? He's like, I have to give you a bit of a reality check here. And the reality check is this, is I got to send you something that you think that you can do this on your own, I'm going to give you something that's going to bring you down. I'm going to get you something that will destroy you. It will literally be against you. It will bring shame and condemnation into your life until you realize that you cannot do this on your own. You know, Romans chapter 3, verse 19, it says, the entire world, what was the purpose of the law? To show the entire world that it was guilty before God, right? Okay, he goes on to say, verse 20, he says, um, for God, no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. So what did God have to do? People got to say, oh, I can do all those things. Even today, you would ask those questions. If you were, you know, if something were to happen, where are you going when all this is done? Well, you know, I go to heaven. Why? I'm a good person. Means nothing means absolutely nothing. Because again, you look at this Galatians 3.10, because if you choose to live by in bondage under the legalistic rule of religion, what is that? My performance, what I do? You live under the law's curse, for it is clearly written, utterly cursed is everyone who fails to practice every, say it with me, every detail and requirement that is written in the law. You may be good in one area, but you may suck in another area. Guess what? You are guilty of all. You are guilty of failing the entire law. So are you and I good enough? No. (laughs) A big capital N-O. No. 
Not a chance. There's no way I could do that. Anybody ever try it? Just even for five minutes. At some point, especially on the Sabbath, you got up, well, you failed. It's impossible. But again, what was the purpose behind all of this? To show you and I that we have need of God. We have need of a Savior. That's what he did. That's why he revealed it to us. Again, I just use that illustration. What does the law do? It's there. Yeah, it brings condemnation. Yeah, it brings shame. It brings all of this. And God's, the law is, doesn't mean the law is bad. No, not at all. It's, it's right. But what it is, it's like walking. Again, you went on a blind date. You went with somebody. You started eating spaghetti. And then what did you have to do? You have to walk into the mirror and all the fun, or you walk into the bathroom. You find out, my goodness, I got spaghetti all over my face. This girl's going to dump me on the spot because I can't eat properly. My mama never told me how to eat. So all of a sudden, what do you do? You stand in front of the mirror, and the mirror reveals how nasty you look. And you're just like, oh, shoot, what do I do? You can't get mad at the mirror. Because what did the mirror do? It just revealed the mess that you currently look at the girl that's staring at you across the table. Lord have mercy, what's wrong with you? So what happens, that's the law. The law is like the mirror. It showed you where you missed it. So what do I need? I'm not going to punch the mirror and say, man, I need something else. No, I need help. Say with me, help. So what did God do? He sent his son. Matthew chapter 5, look at this, verse 17. Jesus said these words, Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth, disap- heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So why did he come? To fulfill all the law. Oh, thank you, Jesus. So when Jesus hung on this cross, he said, it is finished. What did he mean? What did that mean? It is finished. He prophetically said that. What was he doing? First, he was referring to the fulfillment of the law. This dispensation of the law has been fulfilled in Jesus. And we read last week in Hebrews chapter 8, because it's fulfilled, God has put it over on the shelf where now it sits and it's gathering dust. For a Christian now to go back and try to connect with God according to the law will be extremely frustrating. Why? Because that dispensation is over. It's finished. Jesus paid the ultimate price when he hung on the cross and declared, it is finished. Frustration comes now. When I start operating in the if you system, if I, then God, wrong system. Because again, what's the emphasis on? The emphasis on you and your behavior. Stop it. Look at your neighbor and tell them to stop it real good. Why? Because that system is finished. It's complete. The curse of the law is complete. It's finished. Can you be cursed? No. If you're in Jesus, no. Look at this. Galatians chapter 3. What verse are we reading? Verse 13. He says this. Christ paid the full price to set us free from what? The curse of the law. He absorbed it completely as he became a curse in our place. For it is written... Everyone who is hung upon a tree is cursed. Verse 14. Why did he do all this? Jesus, our Messiah, was cursed in our place. And in so doing, he dissolved the curse from our lives. So that, come on, say it with me. So that, why did Jesus pay this tremendous price? I mean, on Good Friday, we talked about Jesus being our scapegoat. He absorbed, took everything in himself. Why? So that all the blessings that we read in Deuteronomy chapter 28, 1 through 13... That all those blessings that were of Abraham can be poured upon us, even non-Jewish believers. And now God gives us the promise of the wonderful Holy Spirit who lives within us, all who believe in him. So now, what did I receive? I received all the blessings of Abraham. Deuteronomy chapter 28, 1 verse 13. Those are the blessings of Abraham. They become mine, not because of my performance. The if you is gone. It's Jesus. Because of Jesus, all these blessings are mine. Come on, say it, mine. 
Now you can be selfish in that mind. He, he did it for me. They're mine. They belong to me. Okay. Secondly now, what was Jesus referring to when he said it was finished? The fulfillment of the law? Yes. But also secondly, the work of salvation now is complete. What did he do with that? He took my sin condition. He took what I was on the inside, that old, I mean, Adam's nature, which was the devil was my daddy. Everything that the devil had, everything the devil was, was already lodged on the inside of me because my spirit was connected to him and he's a dead spirit. Doesn't mean that he's one day going to not exist. No dead spirit. You're going to live no matter what. Where where you're going to be determines on what you do here on this earth separated from God. That's where Satan is. So I was separated from God. So Jesus came and what did he do? He finished salvation. But what Jesus did on that cross, he made it completely made me and God, the slate completely clean between me and him, between God and the world. The slate is clean. Sin is no longer an issue. It's a huge price. So people don't go to hell for sin. <gasps> it's done. So then why, why are people choosing to go? They refuse to believe Jesus is the Christ. That's the sin. So again, you see that in John chapter 16. What's the spirit of God here to do? He's here to convince the world of righteousness. First of all, of sin, because, hey, sin's going to bring you somewhere. But then of righteousness to show you, hey, look what Jesus did for you. This is the spirit of God's decision. This is what he wants to do. He wants to show people that Jesus is Lord and he came and died for you. So if you have a loved one that's not following the Lord, guess what the spirit of God is doing right now? He's actively doing everything he can to convince and to reveal. He's orchestrating things in the background. Constantly trying to do what? To convince that Jesus is the Messiah. Amen. Thank you for that. Okay. So not only that, but he also gave me in this place. Once I've accepted and received forgiveness, I accepted, say, Jesus Christ, you are my Lord and Savior. Now on the inside, he now qualifies me as a son and daughter of the Most High God, where I can now fully function and operate in this new dispensation called grace. The law is finished And me accepting Jesus, he renews me on the inside. This is how I got in. It was all him. Now I've entered into this brand new dispensation called grace. And guess what? Don't go back to the if you. This dispensation is all about him. So that jumps into the next point. What is the dispensation of grace all about? The dispensation of grace is all about Jesus. Say with me, Jesus. This is huge. This is now a transfer has to take place. This is where a renewing of the mind is going to have to take place because it's no longer about your performance. Oh, I jumped really high in worship today. Surely God's going to bless me. Wrong thinking. Because what is that? That's based on my performance. I'm blessed because of Jesus. Say with me, I'm blessed because of Jesus. I'm healed because of Jesus. He's not taking attendance. (laughs) All right. Let's get into this part. Now, again, it's a look and keep on looking at what Jesus did type of system. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, chapter 12, verse 2, would constantly say, consider Jesus or looking unto Jesus. We have to make the the, the crossover in this dispensation. If God is no longer looking at my performance, why are you and I doing that? He's not looking at it. Because again, my blessing in the Old Testament, going back to this previous dispensation, I'm over here now. The blessings that I received from God were completely dependent upon what I did and how I performed. Now in here, can you see that? Okay, I just walk up. Close that door. That's done. New dispensation. Thank you, Jesus. Close that door. I'm in this dispensation. What it's all about? It's about what he's done for me. So this door is closed over here. Don't go back. Paul says that in Galatians 5.1. He says, surely Christ has set us free. So make sure you stay free. Don't go back to that religious bondage that's back there all about performance. Stop it. Stay. Close the door and live freely in the life that Jesus has given you. Okay? Now, my part in this, when I'm in this grace, again, what's the emphasis here? What's the system here? 
It's Jesus. Everything Jesus done. So what's my work? My work is this. In John chapter 6, verse 28 through 29, it says, they replied again. This is right after Jesus fed the multitude, 5,000. He fed them loaves and fishes. You've, you've heard that story. And they wanted to continue to see him because of the miracles that he did. Listen, people were drawn to Jesus. They loved him. Right? They were enthralled with it. Who is this guy? He's amazing. Well, anyways, this group followed him. They said, we want to perform God's work too. So what should we do? Religion would say, oh, you just got to do things harder. Pray a little longer. Sing a little louder. Jump a little higher. Do, 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 do. And look what Jesus says in verse 29. He told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Come on, say the B word. Believe. Believe in the one he has sent. So if I'm in this dispensation of grace because of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, if I'm in this dispensation, what is my job here? Believe. That's it? Yes. Because what the church tries to do is we try changing people's behavior. Stop. What do we got to do here? We have to change the way people believe. We got to convince. We got to bring the word of God because when your believing is right, action will follow belief. Instead of what religion tries to do is you got to do, you got to do, you got to do, you got to do. That changes nothing but leaves you burnt out, leaves you frustrated and going, where is God? This makes no sense. And you're just frustrated in life. Yes, I get it. Why? Wrong dispensation. You're trying to relate with God going, look, God, look what I'm doing for you. Look what I'm doing for you. He goes, great. That does nothing for me. Can we see this? So my work is to believe. Now look at this in 1 John chapter 3, just in case you didn't believe the scriptures on the first one that we just read. Look at this one. 1 John 3, 23, he says, this is his commandment. His commandment. What's his commandment? We must believe. What are we believing in? In the name of his son, Jesus Christ. And we love one another. That's how this whole dispensation operates in. What do I do? I believe. How did you get into this dispensation? I believe that Jesus died on the cross and he rose again for me. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I, I, can't, I need a savior. What did he do? He welcomed you in and said, welcome to the family. Welcome into this dispensation of grace. And now what you are in the process of doing is renewing your mind to the gospel of grace. Okay, before I get on, let's just... In this dispensation of grace, my work is to believe the gospel. The gospel is the gospel of grace. Say it with me. The gospel is the gospel of grace. Because you ask people, what's the gospel? You'll heal a bunch of different things. But what is the gospel? The true gospel? It is the power of God that works unto salvation. It is the gospel of grace. The gospel is not one day God's going to do something for you. The gospel is not if you just do a few this and this, you know, dot some I's, cross some T's, then God will able to do something. The gospel is God has already provided through his son Jesus Christ everything every human being will ever need to live a life in godliness on this earth. That's the gospel. It's a finished work. And that's why the apostle Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 1. I'm praying that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. Why? So that you would know the hope of his calling. And then he says, what is the inheritance of the inheritance of the saints on the inside of us? What he put in us because I believe in Jesus. The moment you got born into the kingdom of God is the moment the father downloaded everything he has, everything he is on the inside of you. You're in my job is to now go through the word of God and find out what's already been done. That's what this dispensation is. That's done. It's no longer about your performance. <laughs> when you get it, when you start going, this is what he did. You won't want to do those things. Because you read Romans and you find out because Paul would say, so shall we continue to sin so that grace may abound even more? You go, what a stupid thought. You're giving people a license to sin. People do that already. What we need to do is change, see a belief, see what God has already done. It makes you want to stop doing those things because, oh, his kindness has caused me to change. <laughs> Not a religious stop, 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 stop. It's Wow, God, 
Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll stop that. And you live a free life in him. Oh, man. Somebody say, woo. Give one of those kick in the pants. Little, little toit there, a little toit. Okay. Now, Easter, what we celebrate today, the death, the burial, the resurrection, that Jesus completely destroyed death. What if we continue to live our lives? Like, how does this affect me now? Let's talk about this. If I continue to live by dead religion. We can celebrate, jump all day long. Yeah, oh man, Resurrection Sunday is so good. And then tomorrow go back into this same old dead religion, performance-based Christianity where I'm just, okay, God, I'll do my best. I'll just, I'll work hard at this. God, I just, I wish you would do something for me. That's dead work. And really what that is, that's a slap on the grace of God. It really, that's what it is. So what do I want to do? I don't want to frustrate the grace of God. So what am I going to do? I'm going to make a decision to continually live my life under grace. This is where I live. Romans six fourteen says it like this. He says, sin is no longer your master. Say that sin, sin. is no longer my master. All right. Well, how can I say that? Because I'm no longer under the requirements of the law. See, if you live by this law, if you live by the requirements of what the law says, you are sin conscious. Oh, man, I messed up. I did that again. Oh, Lord, I'll do better next time. Anybody ever done that? A whole bunch of times. Oh, Lord, I'll, I'll never do that again. And then tomorrow, I did it again. Rats. Okay, God, okay, next time, I'll next time. I'm just going to get more willpower. I'm going to just need, I'm going to get 100 guys of accountability that will just call on me and just pull me out. Great to have those. That's, there's nothing wrong with those things. But first and foremost, I have to get into proper position. When I can get into proper position, my position is I live under God's grace. What's this dispensation all about? It's all about what he's done. We look to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Our eye is on him. The father's eye is on him. It's not looking at you going, oh, look what you messed up. You did this, you did that. God's not recounting your sin. It's done. Listen, the sin meter is turned down in God's mind. Here it is. It was on high in the Old Testament. Listen, in this dispensation of grace, because of what Jesus did, and now we still try to talk, God, I'm so sorry that I said, I'm so sorry that I messed that up. He's going, stop talking to me about that stuff. We've done it. We're through it. We did all this. Jesus accomplished it. Do you believe it or not? That's the decision that you have to come to. And that's why I don't want to just this be another Easter where we religiously gather again. I want this to be reality in my life. So what do I do? I'm going to live my life under grace. This is the dispensation that I'm in. This is the dispensation that I'm in. I'm not going to open the door and enter this one again. God, I'm so sorry. No, close the door. Finish it. How do I do that? Well, let's talk about this. How do I live under this grace? I have to take the time to renew my mind according to this gospel. You know, in this Hebrews chapter 12, we know that verse, verses 1 and 2. When the Apostle Paul is pleading with the Christians, he's saying, please renew your thinking. To the world, the message is you have to be born again. Look what Jesus did. Now, in the church, what's the message? you got to renew your mind. To what? What am I renewing my mind to? The word, more specifically now, what am I renewing my mind? But the Bible stories, am I renewing my mind to Daniel and what he did in the lion's den? Am I renewing my mind to Jonah? Make sure, okay, don't want to get eaten by a whale. Don't do that. What am I renewing my mind to? I'm renewing my mind to the dispensation that I'm in, the gospel of grace. This is what I have to renew my mind on because this is what the Galatian church fell into. Do you think Paul was writing this letter to them to tell them, oh, you guys, you're not obeying this law. You didn't, you're not doing that commandment. This is so bad that you guys keep going back there. No, he wasn't writing about any commandment. You know what he was talking about? Going back into the dead performance-based religion and he's saying, who's bewitched you? Who put a spell on you thinking that you started this Christianity base in the spirit that you're going to finish it in the flesh? Crazy, ludicrous that you even think now you can perform in such a way that will now get God's attention. You and I can't do it. So what do I do? Living under grace, I have to renew my mind to what Jesus has already done for me. That's how I live my life, is looking unto Jesus. I may messed up. Okay, Lord, I repent of that. Jesus, show me. What do I do next time? Oh, that's it? Okay, that's how you do it. Got it. Thank you, sir. That's how you do it. And you move on and you go with Jesus. 
Don't let the shame and the guilt and the condemnation have another voice in your brain because it does not belong to you. This is why my wife, she showed me a really good illustration. She, I was drinking a cup of tea because I'm a tea guy, you know, with extra cream. It's got to be white tea. Oh, man. And you put sugar in that. I tell you, man, I'm a tea drinker. Okay. Um, Because sometimes, do you want to go for coffee? Yeah, I drink tea. Oh, it kind of sounds a little like you're not as manly as I thought. That's why I wear extra small shirts. (laughs) Okay. Now, she was just saying, I was drinking. She's like, okay, Joel, you're in Christ. So she kind of, she put me in the cup. She said, there's no condemnation in there. So that's absolutely, there's not a voice of condemnation when you're in Christ Jesus, when you're in grace, when you're in this door, there is no such thing as an accusing voice of condemnation against you. It's, there's nothing here. But the moment you get out and you start operating in this law, in this dispensation, whoop, 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 you didn't, you should have, you could have, you thought you did, you didn't, you would have. Whoa, 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 whoa. So what do I got to do? Leave this dispensation. It's finished by the blood of Jesus. And now I enter this one. It's quiet. And in fact, when you actually read Romans now, you actually hear it says, the Father has declared you not guilty. When you're hanging out here, you go, not guilty. Who said that? Oh, I like this area. It's because it's free. It's what Jesus had in mind all along from the beginning of the world. So don't go back to that crap. It's done. Here I am. And every time that voice tries to go up, you go, no, I'm under grace. Come practice it with me. No, I'm under grace. You should have, shut up. No, I'm under grace. You have to talk back. Why? Because that old religious thing is going to keep trying to pop up. And you know what? There's lots of demons out there, but one of the worst ones is that religious demon. Constantly bringing up. Religion sucks with a capital S. Now, how do I live under grace? Again, take the time to renew my mind to the gospel of grace. And I have to make a big deal about his love towards me. I have to think it. I have to confess it. When I wake up in the morning, the Father loves me. He loves me, he loves me, he loves me. While you're showering, or if you don't shower, whatever you do, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me. You're eating breakfast. What can you just start talking to yourself, renewing your mind to? I'm under grace, and my Father is so in love with me in this place. Now, Ephesians 1 says, the same love that the Father has towards his beloved son, Jesus, he has for me. He loves you just as much as he loves Jesus. And sometimes our mind goes, well, does Jesus know what I did? It's not about that. In this dispensation, the Father, all it is, is complete and total love towards you. Period. There's no, remember the prodigal son? Remember that story in Luke chapter 15? And the son came back. And all of a sudden, the the son, he had an I'm sorry speech ready to go. And he says, Father, I did this. I did that. I did da, 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 da. And the father, you read it in the Amplified, it says, hearing but ignoring what his son said. Come on, y'all. Hearing but ignoring what his son just said. Told the servants, hey, get me a ring. Get me a robe. Get some sandals. And get the biggest, fattest calf you could find. We're having a BBQ. And when father cooks a big, fat cow, man, you eat. You feast. But what kind of road... Did that son come on? Was it a road of, oh man, wait till you get here, boy. I'm going to whoop you till you won't even know which way to go anymore. Listen, traditionally, that was a very popular uh, story that the, the Pharisees and the leaders of that time would use. And so the, the, the story normally would go, okay, the Pharisees would teach it. Yeah, the son would come back. And all of a sudden, the father, father would send out there. He would smash a pot, meaning our relationship is smashed. And you can just go on. You are not welcome back in this home again. That was religious teaching. But Jesus now took and completely gave a total different ending to that story so that all who heard it were going, what? The father, first of all, the father ran? Men don't run in that culture, especially with those long guns out. (laughs) They don't run. But what did you say? The father from a far distance, what did he do? Moved with compassion, moved with such tremendous love. 
and ran to his son. (laughs) Sorry, I'm just playing around with you a little bit. Picked him up, the Bible says, hugged him, kissed him all over, and he said, my son is back, my son is back. What is the road? It's the road of grace. It's the road of grace, not condemnation, not guilt, not you should have, you piece of, and finish the sentence. That's not who he is. So our father has been given a completely wrong image because we're living in a wrong dispensation. This dispensation is all grace. You may be so ticked off at governmental officials. I hear you. But here's the thing. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. (laughs) What's the father's will? What's his heart still? That all men, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, that all people would come to know the the knowledge of the truth, the knowledge of the grace of God. Because this dispensation is all about him. Everything about it. You can't save yourself. You can't earn it yourself. It's all what he did. So what do I do? Don't fight it. Live under it. I'm going to just enjoy under grace. Look at all these blessings that come. I'm blessed not because of anything I've done, but simply because of what Jesus has done. And I believe it. This is where it begins. Why need physical healing? Great. Guess what? It's already been provided. So what am I doing? You are now getting to the place where you are convinced that what Jesus did on the cross is true and you believe it no matter what. That's what it is. The promises of God are there, but they all come the same way. I have to believe it. To the point that no matter what he says, I I believe God no matter what. How many know you're saved? How do you know that? How do you, you, your, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life? How do you know that? Have you seen that book? Well, how do you know? You just know it. It's this knowing on the inside of you. Nobody can talk you out of salvation, correct? Well, that same knowing, when you spend time in the Word of God, allowing the Spirit of God now, listen, letting the Holy Ghost now be the teacher, not religion, Letting the Spirit of God in His presence, and He reveals to you what Jesus did at that whipping post. The same way that you know salvation is yours, is the same way you can know healing belongs to you. How do I do that? I have to sit under that, the Word. I have to sit under that place and go, oh, i got to see it. Because the Spirit of God wants you to see it. That's His job description, is to show you and I the finished works of Christ. That's why He's here. So if you ever hear, you know good, that's not the Spirit of God. That's the Spirit of religion. All right. In closing, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, it just says this. I love this. This is how I'm living under grace. What do I do with my life now? Look with wonder at the depth of the Father's marvelous love that he has sprinkled on us. He lavished on us. Lavish just means too much. So much that there's just... It's like standing under a waterfall and your life is a little teacup. That's what the Father does. That's what he's like. So he's saying, look at it, go through the word of God. And now in this place of undeserved privilege, undeserved favor where I stand, look at what the father has done for you. (laughs) I'm not going to slap the grace of God anymore. It's done. Why? Jesus paid too high of a price for me to live in this place of condemnation, in this place of not being enough, not good enough. It's done. It's done. It's done. Say with me, it's done. The same way Jesus said it is finished, I'm saying it too in my life. It is finished. My performance-based religion, my performance-based Christianity, it is finished. Why? Because I believe in Jesus. 1 John, this is the last part, 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. So again, we're answering this question. Instead of frustrating the grace of God, what do I do? I live my life continually in the grace of God. How do I live under the grace of God is I got to spend time seeing it, spend time confessing it, spend time meditating on it. See yourself just sitting on your father's lap and he's just revealing how kind and how good he is. See it. Because listen, kind of what Pastor Jamie said earlier, if he gave you Jesus, he'd give you anything. (laughs) You have Jesus. What's healing to him? It's part of the package. It's an all-inclusive package. Anybody enjoy a good all-inclusive? Man, the first time that we went to an all-inclusive, this was a few years ago, before our first son was born. Man, you walk in there, and I, like, I had some extra cash. We'd be thinking, like, hey, yeah, can I maybe get, like, a, 
I don't know, they had like a coffee machines, they had all those types of things. And it's like, yeah, can I have, you know, a, a tea? <laughs> and thinking like it's going to cost a couple bucks. Oh yeah, here you go. And they just gave it to you and you went, sweet. And then what do you do? You go eat. What's at the menu? Man, there's bacon, son, bacon. And you just sit and you eat and they don't run out. And so what do you do? You got to buy hell in the wardrobe when you get home. My goodness, what on earth happened? All inclusive. Well, let me encourage you, this, this, <laughs> going forward, you need to have it all inclusive in the word of God and allow him just to show you what's already been purchased. And you go, well, do I have to pay for it in any kind of way? It's already a done deal. Oh, oh wow. Really? Yeah. So what do you do? Thank you. That's my response. Get on my knees. I go, Father, thank you. You provided healing for me. I, I didn't earn it. I can't deserve it. But thank you. I believe what you did. And what is that? Faith now activates your belief. <laughs> hey -o. Okay. This is the last scripture. I, I'm trying to get to it. If you would listen a little quicker, we could get there faster. Okay. <laughs> I'm just messing. Okay. Come on, the devil's a loser. That's why we're just taking some time just to acknowledge his losing this. That's a word, right? Yeah, Julian said it's a word, so it's a word. Losing this. Write it down. Tweet it. Joel Housing. Losing this. The devil is a loser, and he loses. losing this is losing. Okay. 1 John 4, 16, it says this. Now, we're talking about leaving that old dead. I don't want to slap the grace of God. I have to see it, confess it, believe it in my life. And then lastly, now, what am I going to do? I have to believe in his love for me. Because I've said this a few times, and I want to really get to this because, again, it's so crucial for us. This culture, this world, is trying to reveal everything it can that God hates you. Culture is nasty. They kicked out Jesus out of everything. They're trying to push him out of everything. And what's the result? A godless place. Well, with no God there, yeah, it's nasty. And what they'll do? They'll bash him. They'll talk bad about, about him. And not only that, then they'll start bashing what he thinks of you. Oh, he thinks you're no good. God is just so ticked off. You did that sin. You did this. You did that. Oh, man, I'll tell you, God is so ticked off with you. God is so mad at Canada right now. No, he's not. I had this word uh, on Friday when I was praying for a good Friday. God's, I heard this on the Spirit of God on the inside of me. Just very simple. I'm not mad. Does he hate what's happening? Yes. Does he hate people? No. He's not mad at people. That was all put on Jesus. But what he will do is if, yeah, if things keep going on, yeah, he'll have to make some adjustments and some changes because, again, the whole purpose is for the gospel to continue to go forward. His gospel will never be stopped. It will not be quenched. Don't mess with his gospel because, again, that's the power of God leading people to salvation. So that can never be shut up. So that's why we'll never close down. Ever. Anyways, I'm running for prime minister, Joel Hauser. I'm not. Okay. okay, just to be clear. It says, we have come into an, look at this, intimate experience with God's love. Now, I love the love of God is not just to be talked about, it's to be experienced. And not just experienced once in a while. Jesus said this before he went to the cross, let my love nourish your hearts continually. So I'm supposed to experience the love of God this afternoon. I can experience it this evening. I'm supposed to experience it tomorrow morning. How do I do that? Make a big deal about it. This is a big deal. Stop majoring on the minors. Did you see this? Did you notice this? The song was a bit loud. You're it's so minor, but that's where church folk get caught up in is the minors. And sometimes, you know, what's sad to see is that Christians are actually the most miserable people. Why are they miserable? Because they're living in that dispensation. God's not mad at them. They're just get out of that dispensation. It's about your performance. Oh, did you see that? Shut up. You're under grace. No, no, no. Did you see what they were... Shut up. You are totally missing the whole purpose of the gospel and where I'm living. I'm living here. I'm going to enjoy my life here. Anybody else want to go enjoy their life over here? Yeah. <laughs> How did we get off on that? I don't know. Okay. 
But we have come into an intimate experience with God's love, and we trust in the love that he has for us. Come on, say with me. I trust in the love he has for me. I trust it. So that's why then the Lord says, hey, I'm leading you this way, or I'm leading you to do, I'm leading you to act, I'm leading you to give. Whatever it is, I put my faith in his love for me because I experience his love on a regular basis. God would never put me in a spot to all the going, there you go, and then run back going. Let's see if you're going to manage. He will always be right there with me. What he wants me to do is trust his love. And what do I do? I, oh, I just rest in it. I can enjoy it because God loves me. The bank account says this, Father, you love me. A doctor says this, Father, you love me. Family says this, or if you know, brother says this, or friend says this, I'm loved by God. And from that place now, I live my life, and I cannot be moved. This is unshakable ground right here, knowing that I am loved by Almighty God. Amen? Okay, let's pray. Julie, you want to come up here just for a moment? We'll close with this. But I want to just give an opportunity. If there's anybody in this room that you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is your day. It's for you. And Jesus paid a tremendous price to buy you back and bring you into this family. And I want to encourage you right now. The Father looks at you with eyes of love. He cares so deeply about you. And if, you, if you'd like to say, you know what, Lord, I want, to make a, I want to make a decision to go after Jesus today, then this is for you. Or if you're going, you know what, I've been running away from the Lord too long. I've been kind of doing my own thing. Like that prodigal son we read in Luke 15. Well, guess what? The Father is welcoming you home as well. So this morning, we're not going to ask you to come up. But right just where you're sitting, I want you just to, on the inside, and we're going to actually have our prayer team come up here. I want you to come and talk to some, one of our prayer teams here and just let them know and let them pray with you about the decision that you are going to make. The Father loves you. Let this be a tremendous way that you start the rest of your life. Let April 17th be the beginning of a new life for you because the Father paid a tremendous price. Can we just extend our hands to him just this morning and let's just close. Father God, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for your love that you have toward us. We don't have to work at it. We don't have to earn it. But you freely gave it all for us because you sent your son Jesus. Jesus, this morning we just want to say how deeply in love we are with you. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for rescuing us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for paying the ultimate price that we could not pay so that you could bring us with you into eternity. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. And forever and ever, we will worship and magnify and rejoice and celebrate the victory that you want for us. Oh, Jesus, thank you. And Satan, we want to call your attention to this today that we've closed the door on that religious ways of operating. So those condemning voices, those words of accusations that you try bringing against us, right now we want you to know my days of bondage are over. Just say that my days of bondage are over. Religious thinking is over. It's done. And by the grace of God, I receive his mind. I receive his grace. I receive his goodness in Jesus' mighty name. I will never be the same today. In Jesus' precious name.